Everybody turn your Bibles to Philippians. We've been, of course, um, in Philippians for about six weeks now. This is the sixth week, actually, right now. And um, we've actually just been on Philippians chapter 3, probably on about eight to nine verses, and I just can't seem to get past it. And so I am nearing, um, Brooke and I, we're nearing Brooke and I's sabbatical, and so uh, we'll just be done when when we're done. And uh, and then we'll... uh, the, the next series we're starting, um, I have one more week of Philippians, and then we're going we're gonna to jump to Ephesians, and we're going to spend six weeks in Ephesians, and so I'm excited about that. I think it will continue to build on where we're going, and um, I know God has been taking us on a journey. Everybody turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll read that together. It says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say, press. That's the key word that I want to pull out of this text today, because I think for us in the church, one of the things that we think will escape in our intimacy with God is pressure moments. But part of our pursuit of God requires pressing. This actually, in the original Greek, but I press on, is present. Everybody say present. It's active. Everybody say active. It's indicative. Meaning that he is pressing, he will continue to press, and he will forever continue to press in every moment of his life. This is his journey. I'm afraid that in the church today, what many of us do is that we press when we need something from God. But we're not presently, actively pressing And so God is calling us, and particularly the Apostle Paul, as he writes the Philippian church, is is calling them to have an active, present, pressing life where they desire and seek after the things of God, not just when they need something from Him, but every moment of every second of every hour of their life. They are pressing into Him. A faithful life, a life full of faith, is a life that presses even when things are going good. We press on. Let me, let me tell you, nothing will tender a, a rump roast like a pressure cooker. And then in the church, somehow or another, we think that, well, Jesus, he was, he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was hung on the cross, and so I will never suffer any tribulation in my life. And this is quite honestly just not biblical. In no sense or no way is this biblical. You do not get to escape pressing in your life. You will face pressure. It says, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ has also laid hold of me. To the degree that that God has laid hold of us, we are able to lay hold of the things of the kingdom. Do not pray for things in the kingdom if if he has not laid hold of you to any degree. Some of us are praying prayers hoping that that is the key to get us access to the things of the kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, the key is letting him be Lord of your life. And to the degree that he is Lord of our life, we are able to snatch up things from the kingdom. You do not get to pray yourself into what you have not released yourself unto. Him. He must be master of your life. It is not this whole calm and, and sense his presence and feel the goosebumps and engage his presence. It's not about what you feel. It's about how much of you he possesses. 
He wants, listen to me, all of you. He wants it all. You do not get to pick and choose in a relationship with God what he can have and what he can't. And then come to church and pray and fast and and worship him and expect to get something from him when he has nothing of you. It doesn't work that way. This is not biblical. And he's preaching to the church in Philippi and telling them, stop the silliness, stop the bad theology. This is why when he speaks in Acts, when Luke speaks, writes Acts, he says, I'm writing to the lovers of God and I'm compelling you to understand one thing. And it is this, he must be Lord of all. He must have it all. I do not count myself to have apprehended it. All. You know Why? Because God had not yet apprehended all of him. Oh, he's having an honest moment right here. He's talking to them about this is a journey. To the degree that I release my life to him is to the degree that I'm able to possess the things that he's possessed of me. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which lay behind, I reach forward to the things which are ahead. I press. Everybody say press. Towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it again. If there's an upward calling, then there are lower callings. And some of us have settled for lower callings because we are comfortable there. Why press for more? This is why people are frustrated with the church because they see us that we have settled for a lower calling. We, we in the church, we proclaim a gospel that introduces and takes people to the foot of the cross and people kneel there and sit there and rest on their laurels their whole life. Jesus did not die so you can rest at the foot of the cross and be saved. He died that you may be filled, empowered, and go and make a difference in the world. Some of us have settled for lower callings at the foot of the cross when God has called us upward. In Christ, that ain't his last name, Jesus. Christ is what he carried. It's Christ Jesus. That's the whole upward calling. We come and we sing kumbaya around the foot of the cross. We're happy to be covered by the blood, but we reject the whole lamb. In the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, they understood it, that you can't just take the blood and put it over the doorpost and the lintel to protect your life and to be saved. And to be saved, you had to eat the whole lamb. And we come to church and we want to be covered by the blood, but we reject the lamb. So we don't want to talk like him. They, listen, they ate the tongue of the lamb so they could emote like the lamb. They ate the feet of the lamb so they could walk like the lamb. They ate the heart of the lamb so they could emote like the lamb. They ate the whole lamb. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you don't get to just take the blood and reject the part that makes you have to live like him. And, it, and I'm, I'm just telling you, and it's a sad day when in church we have built theologies that are not apostolic in nature. That's why he said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It is beyond the cross and into a lifestyle where we are submitted to his lordship. That is the apostolic doctrine. And we have listened to people. We want the miraculous without continuing in the apostolic doctrine. So he calls us to more. I don't know if I want to do more <laughs> of the scripture, but we're going to try it. Brethren, join in following my example and note those, those who so what? Walk. As you have for us a pattern, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross. Go back up to go, go back, go back one more. Go back up to 16. Look at this. It says this. 
Therefore, let us, as many are as mature, have this mind. What mind? That, we, that there is more. That there is an upward call. That we're to press into him actively all the time. Presently pressing into him. This is the kind of life we should live. God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us use the same mind. What mind? That we are constantly pressing in to more of God. Brethren, join in following that example. Pressing. And note that those who so walk a pressed life, pushing and pursuing and always wanting more, Live your life after this pattern. But there are many who don't walk like this, of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. I like to put this in there, that their walk is an enemy to the cross of Christ. Their very walk becomes an enemy to the cross of Christ. I want you to know, at our, every single person's in here, life, post-believing, at some point, your walk has become an enemy to the cross of Christ. Why you say that, Sean? Because there are moments in your life where you fail to press because you've gotten comfortable and rested on your laurels. Oh, to think of our life as our walk becoming an enemy to the cross of Christ because we have gotten comfortable in doing it like we've always done it. Behaving. How many of you have driven home and, and got home and be like, I don't even know how I got here? Some of us put our Christian walk on cruise control and we do what we've always done and we function the way we've always functioned and we worship the way we always worship and we pray the way we've always prayed and we get to destinations not knowing how we get there because our life isn't pressing. We're just on autopilot. And that kind of life becomes an enemy to the cross to Christ. And he's calling us to more. To more. I want to talk to you about our walk today. I want to talk to you about a walk and a life that presses in to God in every area of our life. And I want to talk to you about how our walk has made the church impotent in its ability to call people into repentance. The reason God is not abiding and adding to the numbers daily those who are being saved in the church is because we cannot say with conviction, repent. It is the cry for repentance that brings the move of God. Repentance is absolutely requisite for the supernatural. Repentance does not even need an offense. People are always waiting until they've offended or, or, or done an offense or done something against the things of God before they repent. People, you need to understand and begin to understand the importance of repenting and living a repentant life. Even your best to the Lord is not worthy of His glory. You should repent all the time. You should live a life of repentance. You should have an understanding that you and your best is not good Enough to even stand in his presence. We wait till we mess up to repent. And then we wonder why we mess up. But why can't we call people to repentance? I believe we can't adequately call men to repentance. Because in order to call men to repentance. They must see something worthy in our life of repenting for. And so we have created a washed up and washed down 
an easy bubblegum message that will allow my life to continue on autopilot. Because if I were to call people to repentance, what, are they, what am I calling them up to if I have settled for lower callings with my walk? And so the church has failed to shout out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at... We don't say repent because in our life the kingdom of heaven isn't at... The kingdom of heaven is when we die one day and we get to go experience it. We don't walk it. We seem to experience it on Sunday on some level, but on our Monday we wake up and kick the dog because the kingdom isn't at hand. It's as close as your hand. You can only call people to repentance when the kingdom is evidence is as evident as your hand. It's amazing because we put our hand to work. We put our hand to all kinds of things in our life. Can I ask you a question? Is the kingdom as evident as your right hand? I remember when I was growing up, I went to college. I know it's shocking, but I went. And I heard a professor, and a professor mentioned something to me. I don't even remember what it was. And I was like, and I just had this epiphany and revelation hit me and shook me to the core. And my life, I thought, would never be the same. I went home to visit and have dinner with my parents, and I was telling my mom about this revelation I had gotten. And, and, And I was telling her, and she said, boy, I've been telling you that for 20 years. How many of you parents in the house have... Have somehow or another your kid got revelation, but you've been talking to a brother and a sister up in your house your whole life, and they didn't listen to you. You know why? It's because your kids don't listen to you. Oh, that's the truth. It'll set you free. I'm just going to help a brother and sister out here. They don't pay a list. They don't pay. They're not listening to a word you say. They are watching your life. But see, we're good at talking a big game, but poor at living one. Where do you think the kids came up with the phrase, do as I say and not as I do, do as I say and not as I do? Because you say a bunch of stuff you don't do. And you're calling them to repentance when you don't even live it out yourself because the kingdom isn't as close as your right hand. You're saying, this is how you should live. I know I don't live it, but you should. And so goes the church. And so the church has created poor theology around apathetic lifestyles to appease their comfort when they look at themselves in the mirror. Instead of actually bringing and living the kingdom as if it is our right hand and calling people to repent and walk at the pattern of my walk. It is is an interesting thing. Uh, Paul, The Apostle Paul says, pattern your walk like my walk because I walk as if the kingdom is as close as my right hand. Can you say the same? Not, 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 not can you preach real good, not can you talk real good, not can you worship real good, but can you walk it out when you have eight inches of water in your basement? Okay, let me tell you about my day the other day. Right, let me tell you about my day the other day. <laughs> oh, man, this is good stuff. The first service didn't get this, right? I'm going to preach to you up in here. So, I, I, so what happened earlier in the day? Oh, everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. And so we, have, we, have a, we, have, we had company over. They're gone. They, they went to the first service and they left. They've been here all week. And they had company over. They used to be in our youth group. And Brooke with an E, 
Brooke and Chris, Brooke with an E, though, not Brooke, but Brooke with an E, the other the company. She uh, was working out and doing burpees, and she threw her back out. Literally couldn't move. And so I was telling everybody, hey, Brooke, sorry, I'm going to be in late today. I'm trying to help Brooke. Um, and they thought it was Brooke it, that was doing burpees and threw her back out. Brooke thought that was really funny when she got in the office. She's like, you thought that was me doing burpees? Oh, yeah, right. And then I, I laughed. I was like, yeah, you think she's doing burpees? She looked at me and she goes, I can make fun of myself for not doing burpees. You cannot make fun of me for not doing burpees. And so, so we're laughing about it. And, and, and Brooke, like, literally very sick, very hurt. And so I would get home run around and help get home. We're trying to help her. And literally, she's trying to go to the bathroom and she's trying to call there and just yelling, like blood curling, yelling, like, ah, you know, I'm thinking, what in the world? And about this time, Chris goes over because he wanted to turn the volume down or something and figure out how to the volume because she's yelling. And it's loud enough. We don't need a TV going. And he hits the thing and the whole shelf falls off the wall, rips off the wall, rips chunks out of the drywall. And she's yelling, and the big boom, and I came in there, and so now I'm trying to get the tools to put it back on the wall, but I don't know how I'm going to do it, and then about that time, Brooke goes, our heat's not working, and I'm like, literally, I didn't roll my eyes, I didn't yell, but inside, I was going, Jesus, help me, I'm going to kill everybody, but it was all inside, it was, it was all in there, but not out here, so, you know, it's good. It's good. I'm doing good. Pastor Tim, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. And, so I'm, and so I took a deep breath, like literally. Sometimes it's good to take a deep breath, amen? amen. And I take a deep breath, and I was like, hey, I said, the, the shelf can wait. I'll go downstairs and see what's going on with the furnace. So I go walking down the stairs to see what's wrong with the furnace, get to the bottom, can't see nothing, turn my light on. A lake has formed in my basement. So I sat there and stared for five minutes, just, <laughs> man, I should have been worshiping like, I didn't say nothing, even Brooke will know. So she came in there, what's going on? And I had just, I was like, there's water down there. And that's all I said. I, didn't, I mean, because you know I'll wrap myself out if I act crazy, you know, like, I'll tell. And Brooke goes, you okay? And I didn't respond, because I was not okay, but... And, and so she goes, here, here, why don't you use some boots? So I put some boots on and walk down there. Like, literally, it's up to my shin. It's, it's a lot. Like, I mean, and there's just, thank goodness we had the shelves up, but it had blown the, the sump pump wasn't working and the heater wasn't working. And let me tell you, that's just the beginning of the whole, the problems that happened that night. I called, I, I'm too dumb. I was shaking the pump, sump pump and I was reading in Google down there trying to figure out, well, it could be this and it could be that. And I thought, this is stupid. I got Chad. So I called Chad and Jesse Getz and I called Chad and said, hey, come help me. And nothing more demasculating than when you've been shaking a sump pump trying to get it to work and you've been reading Google and he comes and goes, and it just starts sucking the water out of the. Like I felt like that big. Like I just wanted to go down into the water and disappear for life and become a mermaid. Like just disappear. And, 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 so, and so he's like, oh yeah, it's okay, man. He's thinking, you idiot. You're trying to do is move it. But he didn't say it out loud. Like I know that's what he was thinking. No, he wasn't. He's nicer than that. But I'm sitting there. And literally the whole time, the whole time God is saying to me, the kingdom is as close as your right hand. What, what else happened? Choose that there's one more thing that happened. What? Oh, yeah. So we're about halfway through fixing it, and then Brooke looks down and goes, we're late to the board meeting. 
And I was like, that's when I about lost it, but I still kept my cool because God is good and the Holy Spirit can help you. Sometimes it's better to shut your mouth than say anything at all. And can I encourage you today? I felt like I did pretty good there. I felt, you know, if you take a hammer and you hit your finger, the more holy you are, the more that your finger will not even feel pain. No, that's stupid. If you hit yourself with a finger, it's going to hurt. <laughs> I don't care how much you've been worshiping, how much of the anointing you've been feeling, if you whack yourself with a hammer, that's going to smart. It's going to hurt a lot, right? It's going to. What, what the difference is between someone is holy is not the lack of pain. It's not the lack of pressure. It's not the lack of life happening to you, but it is your ability to control what is going on the inside and relay something different on the outside. It is choosing, do I access my frustration or do I access peace? It's funny, when, the, when, the, when the, the AC guy came down to look at the furnace, the first thing he did, he came down with a tool set. I want you to know you have a tool set. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. So you thought those were for you to edify you. They weren't, those fruits of the Spirit are not for you to edify you. They are tools to be used to help the trouble in your life. Now some of you have been eating the fruit of, and wondering why you have nothing left to give your family. It's because it wasn't fruit to eat. It was fruit to harvest and sow. First thing he did was to get access into that furnace that was broken is he grabbed the tool and he unlocked it so he could see on the inside. And you have a choice when troubles come if you're going to access peace or if you're going to access anger. And both are tools that you either use to help people or hurt people around you. We're not allowed to call people to repentance because our life doesn't resemble the kingdom. In the midst of pressure, our life doesn't show that there's more to this life. Many times our life doesn't show that there's a higher level you can live at, a higher level of peace, a higher level of hope, a higher level of love. We just proclaim a gospel that we refuse to live. And the church has failed to call people to repentance, not because it knows it doesn't need to, but because it's failed to live it before the people. The sentence is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is a hand. We don't say repent because the kingdom is not as close as our hand. And we have not brought thy kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. And we shouldn't call people to repent unless we can show them the kingdom in our midst. Parents, I know you want your kids to repent because they're going down a bad road, but it is amazing the hell I see parents living out before their kids and calling their kids to repentance when they've demonstrated nothing of repentance in their own life. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen dads that cuss like sailor, sailors, worse than sailors, they cuss and they yell and they spit. And the moment their kid uses the F word when they're 10, they reprimand them for the language they use. I want you to know you taught them that language. How dare you call them to repentance that you refuse to live out yourself? How dare you? How dare you parents 
Call your kids to respect you and honor you and value you when you hadn't talked to your parents in 10 years. How dare you demand them to honor you when you can't honor your own? How dare you call people to a life that you refuse to live? And the reality is the church has become apathetic in calling people to repentance because we've refused to live it ourselves. Amen? All right. I didn't think this was going to get an amen. That's right. I just caught, thought I'd call for it and hope I'd get one. You know what? I'm going to talk about this. I looked up Jesus' ministry. And his entire ministry never was, 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 was done in 85 square miles. Meaning that he didn't go 85 miles in his entire ministry here on earth. He's God. Yet he commissioned us to go to all the nations. But his, the way he showed us how to walk this out was, was being faithful with where God sent him. Go and make disciples of all nations. So what we tend to do is because we fail to be faithful and live the kingdom in our neighborhood, we go to Taiwan. Because they don't know that you don't live out the kingdom there. We pray over people, and we, we, we would pray healing over people. and we, we, It's easy to live like you love Jesus for a day, but your neighbors know you. So it's hard to have an effective ministry in your neighborhood because they see you don't even live it out. So you go way far away so you can be effective for the kingdom because you're not effective here because the kingdom is not as close as your right hand in your walk. So we create mission trips, and we, we, we go on missions, and we feel called. It's funny how everybody that has a calling, you know, listen, you know that that word go, we said go and make disciples. You know that word there, go, means as you go. It doesn't even mean to go away from where you're at. Why would God put you somewhere and tell you to go away from where you're at? Why would he do that? Why would he put you, why would he not just put, you know, he, he knew the end from the beginning. How come he just wouldn't put you there? No, he said, it's as you go. Some of you, as you go to Price Chopper, as you go to the restaurant, as you go to work, as you go. Do you know he can use you, that your mission field is your work? See, some of you are trying to pray yourself out of your job, and you're, so you can go to the mission field overseas, when you haven't even been faithful at your job to show the kingdom. What makes you think God's going to use you over there if you can't be faithful with what he's given you today? You can't even press in in the now. Present, active, indicative. You can't be active in the present. You want to be active out there? That's good stuff. I, I, don't, I don't name it. I mean, that's... I, I, okay. That's why I, I get nervous about mission trips. Now, am I against mission trips? No. But you best, if you're going on a mission trip, particularly if one I'm organized here in the church... I best see fruits that you can live this out in your daily life or you don't need to go on a mission trip. I ain't sending you. We're not sending missionaries out that can't even save their neighborhood. And let me tell you, not just save them, but disciple them. Why are you, you want to go make disciples in, over there in India, but you haven't made disciples in your neighborhood? You want to go make disciples and start a church in India, but you haven't made disciples in your own church? I'm not talking about getting people saved. He didn't say go save people. He said go disciple them. Everybody wants to save somebody. Because let me tell you, you can be a lowly, wretched, sinner, no good, very bad person and get saved. It's free. But it's another thing 
to live out the kingdom. That's going to cost you something. Come on now. That's why we celebrate salvation so much. And we forget that salvation is not an encounter. It is a life. That we're saved to something, not just from something. God has called us into an upward call. Acts 14, 21-22 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, Listen, they strengthened them in their soul and told them to continue in the faith. What is that? Because that's a churchy word. Like, I have faith in Jesus. I believe in Jesus, so I have faith. What is continuing in the faith? What is pressing daily, present, active, indicative? What is continuing in the faith? I'm glad you asked. He answers it right here. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Now, see, you've heard all kinds of things from different preachers. But you best continue in the apostles' doctrine and not your own. If you want the kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven. Because the kingdom doesn't come to earth as it is in heaven through prayer. I know, let that one sit in there a little bit. The kingdom doesn't come to earth as in heaven through your obedience. The kingdom comes to earth as it is in heaven through tribulations. That word tribulations literally in the Greek is this. Philipsis. It literally means pressing. That you will experience pressing. And pressing produces the kingdom. Yet the church has been praying to get out of pressing. And then praying that they'll bring that kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. You don't bring it unless you endure the pressing. The pressing brings forth the kingdom. Okay, let me, let me explain it to you this way. All right, so uh, come on up here, right? Right here, you're right here. Okay, so we're gonna, you're going to face me, because I did this bad. It took like five minutes to get everybody lined up, right? You're going to face me, and you're going to stand right here in the middle. All right. So, all right. J.D., come on up here, right? You're going to stand right here, and you're going to face me. All right. Somebody else, there's a number, Jersey. I don't know who you are, but do you, you mind coming up? You're probably new, because I somehow or another find new people to come up here, and they're like, oh, dear God. Okay, anyway, um, but you stand right here. And um, so, awesome, thank you. And then, um, okay, I need, I need some people. Pastor Tim, come on up here. Now, you. Wait, wait right there, Tim. Wait right there, Tim. So, in your life, in your life, okay, so over here, behind them, is the kingdom. Hope. Everything we've been hoping for. Things that are back here that will bless us that we don't even know what it is and how it will bless us. It's all back here. Check this out. In a Christian life, when you become a believer in Christ, the kingdom's over there. But there is always a dimension that you have to get through to get the access to the kingdom. All right? So I can see it, and I want it, but I can't get to it. Are you with me? So what God does is he will allow pressure to hit our life to get, us, to get access to the things in the kingdom. Because I can't get back here through these big guys. Stand closer together. I can't get back there. I want to, but I can't. 
Okay? So, Pastor Tim, this right here is your body is not well. You're sick. Don't you dare sneeze on me again, right? <laughs> so, hey, he sneezed right in my face last time. Man. So, so you're unhealthy. Your body, you have cancer. Something's going wrong in your body, right? right. Healing, what's the point of getting healing if you're healed? The kingdom, in the kingdom is health and healing and miracles. Why do you need a miracle if you're well? Come on. All right? So thank you for making me unwell. Great. Um, come on up here. This is financial difficulties. Hello, financial difficulties. Right? <laughs> so trouble at your job, trouble with your paycheck, trouble with your home, trouble with your mortgage, trouble with your bank account. It ain't your bank account problem. It's your fault. But anyway, um, <laughs> trouble with all that. Right? <coughs> Thank you for that. Um, come on up here. Yeah. This is somebody's been lying about you. <laughs> She's with me. Somebody's been lying, lying about you, right? Just talking about you and lying about you. Um, how many ladies have, have a group of friends that have been talking about you and lying about you and gossiping about you and you thought you were their friends? Okay, that's good. I need, I need another one. Let me, Jason, come on up here. You have to scoot over a little bit, right? All right. This is. Church people been mean to you. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, no, it's on here. It's on here. It's already written down. Okay, so, right? So, church people have been mean to you. How many of you have ever been hurt by the church? Amen? How many of you have ever been hurt by the church? It doesn't say Jason on there. Stop it. It does not say that. So, right? So, what it says is, it says this. It says, we must go through many tribulations to enter... The kingdom. So what, so what happens is, tribulations come this way. Give me into the kingdom. Press 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 me into the kingdom. Are you with me? All right, good. Now you go, you go sit down. Go sit down. That's good. Pressure of this life gets you access into the kingdom. Right? That should encourage your heart. Because God said, I'm not, I'm not let any of it go to waste. Some of you come to church on Sunday and you pray to get access to what prayer is not the key for. Pressure and tribulation is the key for it. Some of you have been praying for five years to get out of your job. <laughs> your job is the pressure that gets you access to things in the kingdom that is as close as your right hand. That you may do work in your workplace. I, I want to I propose to you, your calling is not something you're going to be happy about. Your calling will make you question everything. Your calling, when you're called, you won't want to do it. Because if you can do it, you don't need the kingdom to help you do it. And he won't get the glory. I'm tired of this mamby-pamby generation where we preach a gospel that everything's going to be easy and everything's going to be wonderful. I want you to know that sometimes God will send you to the storm so you can bring peace to the storm. But you can't bring peace to the storm without a little bit of pressure. And God's calling us to something more. Oh my gosh. Pressure. Well, how do I... I I don't know. What's this other scripture here that I was... Uh, I gave you two. Give me the 2 Corinthians. 
2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says, Therefore, don't you dare lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen because of this dimension that is, we are being pressed into. The closer you get to the kingdom, the less you can see in the kingdom. Because from back over here, I can get a glimpse. But when I'm face to face with this dimension that pressure's pushing me into, I see less and less of what I can hope for. That's why we don't put our faith in what we see. We put our faith in what we know to be true in His Word. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen, eternal. That's good stuff. Don't let a little bit of pressure, don't bail out of the pressure, man. The pressure gets you access to the kingdom. Be careful when you pray. Be careful, little lips, what you pray. Because he said, and he told us to pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, not my name. Thy will be done. And he says in this, in this prayer, he says this, give us this day our daily bread, but he says this, he says, that thy kingdom would come to earth as it is in heaven. It comes through you persevering your pressure, your moments of tribulation. So don't pray something you're not willing to endure. If some of you don't believe me on that. Let me see. Here's a scripture. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character, hope. Some of you come to the pastor and say, my family just needs a little bit of hope. Be careful about that, because the way you get to hope is tribulations by persevering tribulations, by developing character through persevering tribulations, and then you get your hope. You best continue in the apostles' doctrine, not some newfangled, new age thing that they bent so that we don't have to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ. Amen? Amen. They have a doctrine. They talked about this. I know you want life to be easy. You weren't put here on earth for life to be easy. You were put here on earth to make a difference in this world. And to make a difference, you have to be a light where there's darkness. God's sending you to darkness that you might be the light. That's where he's commissioning you into trouble. Uh, Put the Galatians scripture up there. This will be fun. Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is when our walk becomes an enemy of the cross of Christ. Listen to it. This is a walk that's enemy of the cross of Christ, which are adultery, adultery, fortification, uncleanness. Some Some of your men are like, I haven't slipped with anybody. Yeah, yeah, okay. Have you looked at porn this week? Because that's just as bad. That's adultery. Oh, we didn't talk about this in the church. I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about young ladies in here today. That it's by the PS, it's balancing out. Women look at porn just as much as men. Let me 
me tell you why. Because there's something missing in your heart and life, and his name is Jesus Christ. And you're trying to fill that void with something else that will never satisfy. Listen, that adultery is an enemy to the cross of Christ. Fornification, uncleanliness, lewdness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. You're like, Whew. one of them I'm not going to do. So anyway, um, <laughs> hatred, contentions, <laughs> contentions in the church, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions. Oh, that hit all y'all. Hit me too. Dissensions. I just had one with my wife this morning. Ain't nothing like being a pastor and preaching and having to get up and preach when you done had an argument in the morning. We don't argue very much, but this morning I was on a roll. <laughs> Dissensions. Your life becomes an enemy to the cross of Christ. Heresies. Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And just in case there's any that you think that you do that's not on that list, and the like. All right? Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not, will not, inherit the kingdom of God. They will not. You're like, so Sean, here's what, I grew up in a domination that said, if you, if, you don't, if you live like this at all, you won't be saved. That's not what it's saying. Because there's a difference between being saved. Okay, Salvation is given without repentance, but you don't get access to the things of the kingdom unless you walk in the lordship of Jesus Christ. Come on now. That's why you can have saved, miserable, angry, miserable people. Because they don't have access to all the fruits that's in the kingdom. Provoking one another, envy. Oh, but, but, the, okay. but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit. No, no, no. It doesn't say if we have the Spirit. If we live in it. So there is some miserable saved people that have access to that, but don't live in it. If we live in the Spirit. Listen, let us. So what is it to live in the Spirit? Because that's a vague term. I'm glad you asked. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Because having the Spirit is not walking in Him. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That's good enough. Are you hearing me today? There is an upward call in Christ Jesus. Have you settled for lower callings? Does your life call people to repentance because the kingdom is as close as your right hand as you live on your Monday? Or does your life not put a demand and call anyone to repentance because they don't see your life living at an upward place, but rather settling for a lower one? 